Welcome to the SCORE Life and Health Innovation Podcast, where we dive right into how innovation is driving change around the world in our life and health ecosystem. My name is Nia Escobar-Kolo, and I am your host for today. Our world is changing rapidly, and we want to come together with you to explore those changes to understand and live transformation with SCORE. As one of the world's largest reinsurers, SCORE provides insurance companies with diverse and innovative solutions focused on the art and science of risk. Combining technical expertise and experience, SCORE leverages global know-how in over 80 countries focused on the life and health insurance industry. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of the SCORE Life and Health Innovation Podcast. My name is Nias Kovacala, and I'm part of the Life and Health Ventures team at SCORE. Today, we're starting our episode with something new, and I have a special co-host. Hi, Nia. And hello to our listeners. I'm Bernd Müller, and I will be your host together with Nia today. Bernd, I'm so happy to talk to you today because you started this podcast at SCORE earlier this year, and some of our early episodes you also hosted. Just to remind our listeners, you can find the conversations between Bernd and the founders of Sentio Solution or the CEO of FinTelV in our channel. How do you feel after almost one year of starting this podcast, and how do you measure the impact these conversations we have on the podcast have in the industry? Yes, indeed. How fast time flies. One year ago, I had the idea for this podcast. And to be honest, I never thought it would turn out so great. At first, the idea was to use the podcast to give our colleagues access to all the wonderful people we talked to. After we received great feedback, it was mainly our client-facing colleagues who asked us to distribute the episodes freely accessible through the major podcast stations. And today we have a double digit number of inspiring conversations. Awesome. That's right. It's amazing how many inspiring speakers we talk to and how open these conversations are. You know, as we explore topics like artificial intelligence, virtual reality, prevention, and early intervention of chronic conditions, just to name a few. Do you have a favorite episode, Bern? <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one. So many. I would say each episode has an interesting takeaway for us. What I'm always surprised to hear is how our guests are tackling some challenging issues we as bigger players find hard to solve directly. From using virtual reality to drive better health outcomes and prevent diseases, to using AI through augmented underwriting processes or applying the rules of behavioral psychology to help people stay healthy, I would encourage people to listen to all of them. Bern, you have worked in the insurance industry for two decades uh, and you're right now the head of Score Life and Health Ventures. I think we both can agree that this year has been challenging, not only personally, but also professionally for the industry. What has this year meant for the investment landscape in life and health? Nia, quite clear. Everything that we had long predicted has been accelerated by the pandemic and we have made a technological leap that would otherwise have easily taken two to three years. Especially in the area of digital therapeutics and tools that allow remote management or controlling, we have seen a very large increase here, despite the pandemic, we are observing a further increase in investment across all phases. We also see very promising approaches for replacing traditional models in medical risk assessment and all to the benefit of consumers. But they are also prepared to use significantly more liberal technologies. I see this every morning at the bakery where digital payments are now made across all age groups. And what I'm particularly pleased about is that innovation is pursued across industrial boundaries. We have seen the best of people, of communities coming together and being there for each other, for frontline workers, but also for the vulnerable. 
New tools are presented every day to help manage the pandemic better. Bernd, you mentioned some of the challenges we have lived as people, like the sometimes extreme lockdown measures we have experienced and witnessed globally, from Australia to Austria to the United States. The impact this pandemic has had is just overwhelming. How do you think this has affected our industry? Nia, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were all worried about impact for the business. Now, the focus changes to understand and prepare for the post-pandemic implications in population. We observe that lockdowns are leading to mental health issues, and we see that globally. Further on, we observe new ways to access care due to limited services in person, but more offers online. All this helps an overburdened healthcare system. But also, we see opportunities to push new and exciting technology to drive impact, like the usage of electronic health records in underwriting or telehealth to monitor consumers with chronic diseases like diabetes. Here, we feel a strong wish and call for impact from startups and more and more from corporates. Bern, as we finish this 2020, what are your highlights of the year? Nia, this can clearly be summarized in three points. First, the power of communities and how strong we can be together. Second, the record-breaking capital invested into digital health worldwide. And last but not least, the responsiveness of the insurance and reinsurance industry to deliver digital solutions so quickly, not the rule until this year. Bern, thank you for your time and for sharing the insights with us. I hope you have a lovely holiday season with your family and I hope our listeners have that too. And I'm sure we'll see you more often to continue these conversations together with our listeners. For now, I leave you with the next episode of Homusk. According to the World Health Organization, depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. On average, mental disorders reduce life expectancy by 10 to 25 years in patients with severe mental disorders, as most of these deaths are due to chronic physical medical conditions, including cardiovascular problems, diabetes, or infection diseases, to name a few. Today, we're talking to Holmusk, a tech-driven Singapore-based startup focused on reversing chronic disease and behavioral health issues through electronic health records, data analytics, and digital therapeutics. So Paul, can you introduce yourself, please? Yeah, I'm Paul Feldhausen, uh, Director of Strategic Partnerships at Hall Musk. Musk is, at our core, is a data science and health technology company, um, and we're really focused on uh, establishing objective evidence as a core utility to mental health and, and chronic conditions. And when I say obje- establish objective evidence, we're really looking at real-world data in the healthcare settings, not, uh, you know, and, and I think when we talk about insurance and reinsurance and even actual providers, everyone kind of says, well, this is all real-world data, right? But a lot of our stakeholders are also pharmaceutical companies as well. Um, so we like to differentiate ourselves in terms of the kind of randomized clinical trials where, where all the outcomes are based on specific sets of people, outcomes, and all these things are, are pre-aligned. Um, we really deal with the messy, inherently complicated longitudinal data of real-world data sets. We're unique because we don't just uh, have focus on data science and kind of our capabilities there, but we also own an electronical behavioral health record uh, system in the U.S. called MindLink, which was set up for research-based purposes to study mental health and behavioral health issues. It was in 30 research and academic institutes, and so that gives us a a longitudinal data sets to really examine our insights, but also really help us to understand how to work with EHR data, real-world data, and the like. Additionally, we do digital therapeutic solutions 
Um, so we started with a diabetes management system in Singapore to kind of help tackle the government's war on diabetes, um, but have transitioned into major depressive disorder as also mental well-being. And so with those two capabilities, we also are able to connect these things and really drive further interventions using this data, these behavioral change aspects to really transform, you know, not just the insurer market, um, but hopefully some of the payer and provider market as well. Headquartered in Singapore but working globally, Holmusk is a data science and digital therapeutics platform combining extremely diverse data sources. Aiming to create the largest real-world evidence platform in mental health but also focus in other chronic conditions, their data-driven strategy allows them to deliver clinical and regulatory approaches to patients, but also other stakeholders in the healthcare ecosystem like insurance companies. In 2018, Holmusk was awarded the Technology Pioneer Award by the World Economic Forum for their efforts and contributions in the field of neuroscience and mental health, where Holmusk is taking information from specialty electronic health records, is recognizing disease progression over time, and is creating personalized intervention programs through digital therapeutics to generate sustainable and long-lasting behavioral change. So anyone who's worked with ICD-10 codes and claims data understands there's real value there. But if you don't have outcomes data or, you know, the specific CPT codes, um, you lose a lot of that critical information that can really inform some of the predictive analytics and dynamic pricing. So, you know, with electronic health record system in the U.S., that was, as mentioned, was set up specifically for research-based and mental health and behavioral health. And when I say set up for research-based, meaning every encounter with the patient has a CGI or, or a clinical global impression score, which is a, an assessment that a psychiatrist gives on a person's well-being or mental state on a one to seven scale. And that's unique because it really is driving the foundation of measurement-based care um, and making sure that instead of just taking free text notes and some of these other things, that every encounter has the same standard of approach of how they're looking at this individual. So having this kind of standard of evidence um, and really driving measurement-based care not only allows for better treatments in these facilities, but also allows for a lot better data analysis and predictive measures to be developed off that database. So basically from the point of purchasing a policy to preventing future claims through physical activities or prevention programs, how do you approach behavioral change and how do you make sure users are truly engaged? Yeah, I mean, I think you're exactly right. Where engagement is a key priority, but it's also how you get people to provide uh, to have agency in their managing of chronic conditions or their or their health, right? Um, and so, how you do that is to make it relevant for individuals. Um, you know, when you talk about the insurance market, you look at members across you know, people's book of business. The amount of literacy and say nutrition is an easy one. The amount of nutritional literacy varies uh, immensely. So, how can you break this you know complicated issue down to a point that everyone can understand in a very simple term? and create long-term changes. So it's not about, you know, for instance, it's not about calorie counting or really understanding, you know, what, how a whole grain or different fats interact with you, but really bring it down to a very simple score-based system that people can interact with and see a longitudinal change over time. You know, I think that's key uh, fundamental uh, thing about engagement because, Yes, we you know we also build in personal nudges and we uh, look at the interactions to be able to drive more uh, relevant content for these individuals. Um, but at the, at the end goal, you have to have something that can engage with the full population. And I think that is a key component here. So we have diabetes, we have cardiovascular disease. How do you connect uh, mental disease and physical disease? And um, have you found any specific treats in your market that you can successfully treat? I think as, as many people know, you know, the comorbidities between mental health and chronic conditions are very significant. And whether that's causation or correlation is uh, different for every individual. 
Um, but usually there is a, a component of that. You know, I was looking at some statistics recently, um, even in oncology, people who are diagnosed with, with cancer um, also at a certain point will have some type of mental health condition, almost to three-fourths of those populations. And whether that's anxiety because of their condition, certain depression aspects. Um, and so really being able to manage the different comorbidities um, and mental well-being and mental health is a key one because we know we can see if you treat those uh, aspects, the evidence of improved outcomes for the other comorbidities actually goes up quite a bit. Um, and so the, the correlation there is, is significant and that's where we see a lot of things. So, you know, we have specific use cases, uh, particularly around mental well, well-being, um, behavioral health, um, but also around chronic conditions and how do you marry that? You know, another you know, significant use case is in the Asian markets, um, there's only one or two uh, markets that have, you know, income protection or long-term disability plans. <clears throat> but in those situations, yeah, you know, when someone is on disability, often times their mental state is a huge determinant for them getting back on back into work. And if you don't treat that early, the, the longer someone stays on some of these disability plans, obviously the the higher you know your reserves have to be, uh, the more likelihood they're going to stay on disability, et cetera. So uh, mental health is a key component in not just looking at disability, but whole health. And so uh, we see a direct correlation on, on a lot of this stuff. Inisha? Homust is working with AIA, where they incentivize policyholders to reach physical activity goals, attend medical checks, and pursue a healthier lifestyle. This cooperation supports people by creating unique and personalized health pathways for their policyholders, including those with conditions like diabetes. Holmusk provides tools to connect individual behavioral changes through evidence-driven interventions and engaging and meaningful programs, integrating their care model to enrich the member experience, reduce claims, improve outcomes, and overall help people live longer and healthier lives. Well, when I'm a customer, so when I'm a policyholder and I'm actually receiving Holmusk um, nudges and I'm being incentivized by my insurance company to improve my behavior uh, and tackle my chronic conditions, let's say I have diabetes, do I know I'm dealing with Holmusk or is this a white label solution and how is it usually integrated with the insurance? Yeah, so I mean, I think we have all the potential or all the capabilities to be a white label solution and I think there are certain use cases where that makes sense. But at the same time, as, as most insurers know, having that separation between the insurer and the operation that is providing the behavioral change components is also important, right? So um, we are definitely a powered by Hallmask approach. Um, and it's very clear that Hallmask is providing these solutions to the members. And I think that's I think that is, like I said, in certain use cases, the right way to go. Uh, but we have the capabilities to do it both ways. And similarly, you know, we have we have a very unique coaching platform for some of these one-on-one uh, -on -one interventions, which is very digitally enabled using text message messages and, and the such. And there's certain cases where, you know, we are able to provide that um, to um, certain provider settings where the people on the other side of that coaching platform are their in-house dietitians or their in-house nurses who are providing that direct line of care. So we do have that flexibility in the technology approach, but we also have our network of, of providers who are, are participating and driving that as well. So what's coming up ahead? So we are a global first company, um, and we think that's important, especially when you're talking about evidence in healthcare and kind of the, the differences in, in biomarkers in, in individuals. But I think what we're seeing ahead is, you know, right now we really have three key assets, which is, you know, the EHR and the, and the digital or the longitudinal data that comes off of that. We have our digital therapeutics platform, and we have our data science um, and 
disease modeling um, capabilities, right? And all those are very individually um, powerful, but where we see exponential return and where we see really driving improved outcomes is when those start combining. And what we're seeing now is a combination of these things. So some of our partnerships uh, where we're starting to integrate the digital therapeutics, attaching that to the electronic health record systems to be able to share information back and forth and creating a richer data set so we can actually drive more, even more improved predictive analytics um, instead of just having the healthcare data, right? And so it's what we're really working towards next is the combination of these and providing that kind of integrated tech-enabled integrated care platform. How can the insurance and reinsurance industry support the development of Hallmusk? Yeah, you know, I think I think there's a huge amount of potential um, in this industry, and I think the insurers and reinsurers uh, recognize that. But what I, you know, w- what we're also recognizing is, you know, these these players want to have the Bentley type solution, um, but only pay for the Kia, you know, uh, single sedan, right? And you can't get all the outcomes you're looking for with kind of when you're paying for kind of a lesser profile thing. So I, I think there is, you know, everyone, uh, I think the industry has an approach that because it's digital and because it is scalable, that it should be low cost and it should be able to go quickly and everywhere. Um, and I think the the partners who understand the complexity of this um, understand that really driving value is more than just getting something to the market for as cheaply as possible are the ones that are going to succeed. Um, and so trying to bridge that gap between the the solutions that, that the insurance providers are looking at versus their claim books and how we can interact is hugely important, right? So we do still see a disconnect where people, everyone wants to do something with us, um, but they're not necessarily willing to pay. And so obviously from a digital technology standpoint, it's important to recognize the value and also pay for that value. You know, the last months have been really challenging for the global uh, life and health ecosystem because of COVID-19. Do you think because of the pandemics, the insurance companies realize that they need to step up their game and engage with more digital solutions? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think, you know, the, the pandemic hasn't changed the trends. It's just expedited, right? And that's a cliche term. But I think it's it was uh, an, a much-needed change. And I think, uh, you know, the insurance industry, rightfully so, isn't the most quickest to adapt. And, they, and there, there's reason for that. I completely respect it. But, you know, the situation has changed because of the pandemic. And so not only do we need to adapt as individuals, but I think the industry needs to adapt. And I think the industry is adapting. And so we've seen some very positive results in that regard, and we expect those to continue. Nicole, are there any open remarks you would like to add or maybe something I didn't ask you? No, I mean, I think I um, appreciate you taking the time. It's always fun for me to speak out loud because it helps kind of solidify our thoughts in this process. But, you know, a lot of things I said today are evolving in terms of our approach and how we deal with insurers and reinsurers and, and the member populations. Um, and I think what's important is not only for Hallmas to be successful, but all kind of new, these new solution providers to be successful. And it's not necessarily a competition. It's not a zero-sum game. Um, I think we can all work together to drive improve outcomes. Healthcare is hard. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, and when we share and improving outcomes, everyone wins, not just the insurers, the digital solution providers, but most importantly, the patients, right? So um, I think it's important to state that, you know, our viewpoint is changing um, that, uh, and, and we're hoping that people change with us, but we're also willing to partner and hear ideas and look at ways to solve not only individual use cases, but some of these larger systemic uh, issues uh, with the populations. Absolutely. Paul, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. And we'll be in touch. Thank you to our guests for joining us today. You can subscribe to the SCORE Life and Health Innovation Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our conversations to be the first one to listen to our new episodes. Have a speaker in mind or want to share your insights with us? Send us a message to lhventures at score.com. 
Have a good time and see you on the next episode.